Hello, and welcome to another episode of Untangling. It's been a while since I've been on the air, and a lot of stuff has transpired since that time. So where do we start? Uh, today is May 31st, 2022. Hope everybody had a great Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday uh, back at work. Uh, for me, it was a light work day. Uh, obviously, there's no such thing as a light work day when you're getting up on caught up on emails, especially uh, after a vacation. So I kind of say that tongue and cheek. So what's been going on since I've been off the air? Let me see. Uh, you have the abortion conversation. Uh, that's been pretty uh, fascinating. Uh, you also have a lot of uh, school uh, shootings. Uh, that seems like that's just part of the fabric of America. So if you turn on the news, uh, chances are there was a school shooting somewhere. Uh, you have a lot of qualified, supposedly, uh, Congress people who refuse to take on uh, this topic. But uh, we'll start with what I've been up to. And that is, I have been following uh, the NBA uh, very closely. And with the NBA, it's refreshing when your favorite team, uh, the Boston Celtics, is playing for a championship ring. So that's extremely exciting. And the Celtics story is really interesting because before the All-Star break, you're talking about a sub 500 team struggling and all the Celtics fans were upset, myself included, because there was no moves made during the trade deadline. Uh, and if there was, they traded a few people nobody ever heard of uh, for future uh, draft picks and uh, some role players. So the Celtics really felt like they had the right team in place uh, where the question was, can uh, Jason Tatum play with uh, Brown? Uh, did they have the right crew together? Is this the right coach that they hired? Uh, but all those questions have been answered because the Celtics beat the Miami Heat in what was a great seven game series. And to be honest with you, that series told me a lot more about uh, the Heat than it did the Celtics because the Heat had no business winning a game. Uh, Jimmy Butler was banged up, knee inflammation, and he went for 47 points in game six where the Celtics decided not to show up. Um, the Heat uh, hero had uh, hamstring issues, so their second best shooter uh, was not available. And if he was, you could just kind of see he was hurt uh, on the court. And for them to have that kind of fight, the Miami Heat to have that kind of fight in them, to take it seven games, uh, is I congratulate them. And I truly believe they are a shooting guard or a center away from a championship. And if they're able to get both, then good for them. Uh, the NBA is in great hands. I mean, I watched the uh, Golden State versus uh, Memphis series. And with Morant on Memphis, you have Poole on Golden State, Gary Payton Jr., the second uh, on uh, Golden State, the young talent, Edwards in Minnesota, Towns in Minnesota, you have Trey Young in Atlanta, the Celtics core, you have Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, the league is in great hands. And not to mention, you're talking about the Toronto Raptors that are another superstar away from you know, being a championship contender. Uh, so with that, it gave me a lot of time to to kind of analyze the sport of uh, basketball. And another thing that really got me into uh, back into basketball is the show that's called The Winning Time on HBO. If you haven't had a chance to uh, watch this show, I highly recommend you do so. It is a blockbuster. It's about the uh, Showtime Lakers. It takes you into the business suite, how deals are done. You know, what a great show 
on the Showtime Lakers. So many stories I didn't even know about the Showtime Lakers. So we won't untangle that show on this episode. But if you haven't had a chance to do so, make sure you watch it. It is a fascinating uh, miniseries, season one. So good that they'll be bringing it back for uh, season two. So with basketball, it kind of ties into uh, what's been going on in the world. How it, you know, started the show off in regards to uh, gun violence. And if you haven't uh, seen the video, uh, Steve Kerr gives a passionate uh, speech in regards to uh, gun violence in America today. And for those of you who don't know about Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr is one of those guys, uh, there are few of them in this lifetime where no matter where you place them, they will be successful. Uh, this is a guy who went to the University of Arizona, extremely successful. Uh, I wanna say started his career in San Antonio and ended up there in the future as well. But a lot of us know him from the Chicago Bulls along with uh, Michael Jordan. So you have San Antonio, you have uh, Chicago Bulls. He then goes to Phoenix. Uh, from Phoenix, uh, when he left basketball, he becomes a GM and he's one of the key pillars in regards to changing that culture around. So when you see the Phoenix Suns, they probably remind you a lot of Golden State because Steve Kerr helped uh, establish that culture to what it is today. Uh, and what's so fascinating about Steve Kerr is that Phil Jackson actually wanted Steve Kerr as the coach of the New York Knicks. Uh, Steve Kerr decided against it and went with Golden State and the rest is history. And what's so fascinating about that is Phil Jackson had a plan A, which was Steve Kerr. And when that didn't work out, there was no plan B. Uh, so that's why the Knicks are who they are today and Golden State is who Golden State is today. Uh, Phil Jackson knew this. Uh, Phil Jackson knew he was in trouble when uh, Steve Kerr didn't take uh, that job. But what could Phil Jackson do? Say, hey, you know, I don't have another plan, you know, as a first year GM. So Phil Jackson kind of uh, tried to wing it and we all uh, know the current uh, state of the New York Knicks. Uh, the only good news is they're starting to turn things around uh, a little. The other thing I realized just watching basketball is don't be fooled by the shiny new turd. And what I mean by that is you have all these, you know, A plus superstars and every year this superstar, James Harden is leaving uh, Houston to go to the Nets. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant is leaving Golden State to go to the Nets. Nine times out of 10, even if not 10 times out of 10, those situations never work out. Uh, the reason why they don't work out is because it is a team game and you need people who are willing to do what others are. For example, does Kevin Durant look like a person that if the game depended on him rebounding, he would become a rebounder? No, that's not what he does. So you need a rebounder on the team. Uh, does James Harden look like a guy if the series was on the line, he would actually box out to try to get a rebound or he would try to take a charge to, you know, change momentum? No. So a lot of times I always say, don't be fooled by the shiny new turd because it sounds great on paper, but those are the teams that win. Let's take a look at some of the teams that have won in the past. Toronto Raptors, okay? Kawhi Leonard had the insight to look at that roster and say, they are a superstar away from a championship. And 
why more players don't do that is beyond me. If I'm an A-plus player today, uh, there's only a few destinations in the NBA I would go to if I wanted to uh, win a championship. Uh, the first would be Miami. Miami, again, is a uh, shooter or a rebounder or a center away from a championship. Another team is the Toronto Raptors, okay? There are teams that are fundamentally sound. Uh, since I've been alive, I can't remember the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets doing anything in my lifetime. What would possess Kyrie and KD to want to go to that organization is still something no one's been able to explain to me. Well, we're going to put them on the map. Nobody's been able to put that organization on the map because they are not a sound organization. And that's from the bottom up. Uh, another team, uh, Phoenix. Phoenix is a superstar away and they got some young stars. They don't have a superstar. Booker is on the verge, but I felt like this past year, he kind of, um, you know, took a step back instead of becoming a true superstar. Uh, there are organizations where in order to win, you need a great team, you need a great coach, you need a great GM, you need a great owner. Who has all that? Milwaukee Bucks, Golden State, Boston Celtics. Okay, I could say that about Toronto. Uh, great head coach, great GM. They have a good team, not a great team, and a great owner. Uh, it's amazing that every team that continues to be successful those are all in alignment and the teams that struggle and you can't quite put your finger on it like why can't the 76ers win a championship and that's the why the 76ers have one of the worst gms in sports okay uh this is a guy who drafted uh faults and over tatum and not to mention um Ben Simmons fiasco, how the GM, and I don't even know who the GM is. I heard it was Elton Brand, then I heard there's another shadow GM who came over from uh, Houston. So nobody knows what's going on in that organization. And people are saying, well, why aren't they better than they are, especially with the talent that they have? But with that, with Steve Kerr leadership, it goes back to what I said earlier in regards to the speech he gave about gun violence um, that unfortunately happened in a Texas uh, elementary school. And uh, gun violence is near and dear to Steve Kerr's uh, heart. For a lot of you who don't know, uh, Steve Kerr's father, um, Malcolm Kerr, was actually assassinated. Uh, and so gun violence has been a part of Steve Kerr's life. So there's a personal aspect to it. There's also a leadership aspect because Steve Kerr is a true leader. And um, with that and his father, it still rings true that there is still an issue today when it comes to uh, gun violence. So for a lot of you who don't know, uh, this article is from uh, the Washington Post. And it says that in 1984, uh, Kerr was an 18-year-old freshman at the University of Arizona when his father, Malcolm Kerr, was assassinated by a militant group, Islamic Jihad, targeted because he was part, he was the president of American University in Beirut. A caller taking responsibility on behalf of the group told agents France Press that not a single American or Frenchman will remain on this soil. So that is how Steve Kerr's father uh, passed. Uh, Malcolm Kerr, a noted expert on Arab world, was born in Beirut and lived there as a child. His parents both worked at the university, his father a biochemist, and his mother was a dean of women. 
It was his lifelong ambition to lead the school after mostly teaching at UCLA. So that's the backstory in regards to Aunt Kerr, his upbringing, losing his father freshman year at the University of Arizona. And with all the great things uh, Steve Kerr went on to do, uh, the father not, you know, being present for all that clearly is a huge burden on uh, Steve Kerr's uh, shoulders. Uh, so with the Texas shooting, I mean, there's so much to unpack because it is now part of America's fabric. And I know a lot of people, especially people with kids, are playing out, you know, how can we stop this? And I'm pretty sure a lot of you have come up with simple solutions on how to stop this problem. But I think this problem has gotten so out of control that I personally cannot think of a way to fix it because it is so far off the rails. Uh, you have lobbyists, gun lobbyists, who are paying politicians and politicians, they care about money, they care about power too much to give it up. And even if they were to give up that power and money, there's somebody next in line. You know, the saying in China is the tallest poppy seed is the first to be chopped down. Guess what? Another poppy seed is gonna basically grow right in its place. So eliminating the lobbyist and uh, money Congress receives for supporting, you know, gun initiatives. It sounds reasonable because it is reasonable, but I mean, which one of these Congress people would give up the power, the lifestyle, that life for somebody else? We're talking about very, very selfish people. The other issue is, uh, you know, how easy it is to access a gun. It's crazy. 18 years old, you could uh, purchase a assault rifle and at 20, you could get in trouble for using a fake ID saying you're 21 to go to a bar and drink. I mean, that's the topsy-turvy of America. It doesn't make any sense. In Israel, once you graduated from high school, you have two options. Um, you have the military, or you could go into college or a trade school for a profession. So Israel's kind of figured out a way around this because a lot of these tough guys, you know, who are at home playing video games, um, you know, I don't want to blame music for this, but it definitely plays a role uh, living in a alternate universe. Once you are in combat, your perception of violence changes, okay? And also with a lot of these shooters, they all have one thing in common. They're all cowards. And the other problem in America is the media simply simplifying everything. And what I mean by that, after every school shooting, the one thing you'll hear is this person is mentally ill. Well, how do we know that? Okay, we have this thing in this country called healthcare where all your record, your health records are recorded and they go into a system. So why can't they show, show us that this person is actually mentally ill? They can't show you that because 99% of the time, it's not true, okay? And release get information. The argument will be, well, what about their HIPAA rights? I think once you become a mass killer, uh, your HIPAA rights should no longer be, uh, you know, a right that you get to enjoy. If they are mentally ill, show us their mental 
records show us their uh you know trip to talking to a psychologist the medication they're on prove it because what this does is there are a lot of people fighting mental illness who aren't mass murderers who are great people who are working hard you know battling their demons one day at a time and you kind of just get lumped into this oh these people are mentally ill because in the united states every complex problem needs a simple answer the buffalo shooting uh, you know, the shooting in Texas. I feel, I personally think these are premeditated murderers. Uh, they're very strategic. It's planned out. They know how they're going to plan it out and they take advantage of the opportunity. And then here comes the men, uh, media. Oh, we're talking about people who are mentally ill in this country doing this. Mentally ill. And you hear it over and over and over. If you are mentally ill, it is documented. And from what I've read, there is no history of mental illness in regards to the shooter in Texas. Why they can't release information, accurate information, is beyond me. But everybody needs a simple answer. Oh, this person's mentally ill. That explains everything. Let me move on with my life. You know what would be extremely scary? If you told people, you know what, this person's not mentally ill. They planned this. They carried this out. And they had every intention of doing what they were doing. The Las Vegas shooter, there's no way that person was mentally ill. To rent a hotel, to understand which room to stay in, which window opens. Am I far enough from the concert to be able to hit all these people? Do I have the right gun that could actually reach that range? You're telling me a mentally ill person is capable of that kind of thinking? I find it extremely hard to believe, but the way America thrives is simple answers to complex situations. Nobody wants to give you a complex answer to a complex situation because it doesn't sell. You need to click on it. This person's mentally ill. Let me click on it and simply go from there. So that uh, shooting uh, 20 people dead uh, based on the last uh, update because there's still people in the hospital uh, two uh, teachers the other 18 were children and it's just unfortunate and one of the things we're gonna see more and more is I actually started watching sports to kind of get away from the day-to-day -day nonsense that's happening in this country but everything is basically tied together where there's no place you can run uh, in order to avoid uh, this uh, conversation a very unfortunate uh, situation down in Texas and also in Texas the governor governor Abbott none of these politicians feel like they need to further their education when it comes to public speaking uh, none of them feel like they need a PR team their egos are so out of this world it literally can't be measured so they asked governor Abbott you know what his thoughts are and if you've ever taken a PR class okay you could take it as elective your first year in college the first thing they tell you to do is simply keep it positive if it's a negative situation give your condolences and all he had to do is say I have no comment pending investigation so it turns out Abbott decides to tell everybody how the cops are heroes what they did to save all these kids you know they ran into there uh, putting their lives on the line and then as the days progressed we learned that the police officers were actually afraid to go in there because they were supposedly under armed uh, while kids were basically being murdered uh, so 
it took two federal agents after 30 minutes to say, hey, you know, we don't care what your policies and procedures are. We're going in there. And by that time, it was basically too late uh, where they were able to put down the gunman. And so now uh, what Abbott does is instead of saying he was wrong, he comes back like a true politician would and said he was lied to. That's why he said what he said. He can't believe what he's hearing. He did not know the police did not go in there. And uh, to combat this, people are saying, hey, how about we arm teachers? Another simple solution to an extremely complex uh, problem. And so those are the politicians you're dealing with. Uh, a lot of them, they're not, you know, um, equipped to run a 7-Eleven store. Uh, however, you know, they are our leaders, uh, supposedly. And that is another problem with the foundation of, uh, you know, this country. Another issue is the job of the government is to simply keep its citizens safe. And since Columbine, we could say that this country has gotten an F every single time. So the basic functions of this country for the government is to keep its citizens safe and it's not able to do that, okay? And so what do they do? They bring up the abortion issue, they bring up the second amendment because if you keep people divided, they can't agree on the basic fundamentals on how this country is supposed to work and that is to first and foremost keep its citizens safe and then you can proceed with all the other constitutional rights rights. If a country can't keep you safe, no constitutional amendment matters because you will not be around to enjoy it. That's how this thing works. So I find it extremely fascinating how many times the government has failed in regards to keeping its citizens safe. And it's not even a news story uh, or a podcast story, no matter where you turn. It's what are your thoughts on abortion? What are your thoughts on the Second Amendment? Uh, what is the latest in regards to racism? What are your thoughts on critical race theory? I mean, at this point, people are just making things up to keep the argument going. But one thing we all understand is that the basic fundamentals of this country's government they're not able to carry out those duties. And that is extremely sad. And that's why, you know, this country, it's going off the rails and we all know it. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, if you're struggling where, hey, if I go to pick up my groceries, I either have to go armed to the teeth or, you know, keep looking over my shoulders to make sure a crazy lunatic doesn't kill me. I mean, we're on the path of becoming a third world country. And I think the other sad part too is when it comes to kids going to school, your basic your basic function as a parent is to protect your child. And my saying is this, if your child still feels that you're able to protect them, you have a fool for a kid. And the reason is, uh, I've always said it, kids are a lot smarter than you might think, and they know you are not capable of protecting them, especially in the environment that we're in when they go to school, you don't know if a lunatic gunman is gonna walk in there and cause all kinds of drama. And the other thing nobody talks about is with this shooting in Texas, let's just say you did in fact survive. I mean, are you saying you're just gonna go on, have a great life, get married, have a family, go to school? I mean, I find that very hard to believe. Like some of the survivors, the trauma they've been through, how do you go through something like that and don't end up on drugs? How do you go through something like that and don't become a loner? You don't become an outcast. You don't have psychological issues. You wanna talk about trauma. There are a lot of people uh, who survived 
who are on their way through physical therapy. So people act like, oh my goodness, you know, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, I think if one person were to be killed, that's pretty bad, okay? So I don't know what a lot worse possibly means. And if that one person's your kid, trust me, it can't get any worse uh, than that. So these are uh, obviously some uh, dark times in this country. And, you know, to kind of stay away from it, again, I try to kind of focus on basketball. I don't watch the news, but all these stories, no matter where you go to, you cannot escape it. Uh, it is uh, on the forefront of any social uh, media app that you log into. That's another thing I reduce. No longer on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Uh, the only social media app I'm on is uh, Reddit. And the other one is uh, Snapchat, which I don't even view as a social media. I view that more as a, you know, texting uh, a friends uh, platform. But with that, it's just been a chaotic uh, last couple of days. Uh, last couple months to say the least and it doesn't look like things are getting better uh so now on to the next conversation uh finances you know i always like to talk about finances and uh the market has taken a turn for the worse so if you're young this is a great opportunity because you know you're gonna get a lot more uh bang for your buck uh, but if you're getting ready to retire you might want to reconsider i had a great conversation uh with my financial advisor i'm very fortunate that i work for an organization that lets you have access to a free financial advisor and since they are not paid a commission there's no upsell so uh it was a 30 minute uh, meeting uh, we went over my portfolio together and you know I simply said what are your thoughts he said you know I would like to ask you a question <coughs> you have the three funds <coughs> excuse me you have the Windsor uh, fund two you have the Fidelity 500 fund and then you have the Vanguard target 2040 fund he was going to explain why you picked those three funds and I said you know with the Fidelity 500 fund that follows the uh you know uh, S&P uh, 500 so that does good I do good he goes all right great fun to be in I agree with you I said the um Vanguard target 2040 fund is you know that's when I plan to retire is 2040 and based on the growth I think that fund gives me exactly what I need uh, for what I'm trying to accomplish. <clears throat> he was in a complete agreement. He agreed. And then the third one is the Windsor 2 fund. And I said, I selected this fund because A, it is a great dividend paying fund. I'm able to accumulate a lot of uh, dividends through this fund. So that's why, you know, I chose this fund. And he completely agreed. He goes, listen, I talked to a lot of people and you clearly know what you're doing. He said a few things that he would change. And he goes, you don't have to. He goes, the 2040 fund, uh, you might want to consider the 2050 fund. And the reason for that is you could go a lot longer in regards to retirement, but that's your choice because we're probably talking about a difference of three to 4% uh, when it's all said and done. And if you're talking about real money, three to 4%, you know, it's impactful. And he said, the other option is you are in a 401k and a IRA because, you know, I work at a great company uh, that offers both and he said uh, his financial advice would simply be there's no need to be in the 401k portion of it roll it all over to the IRA because that is a tax free and if it's tax free take it and run with it and I said you know what I'm glad I had this conversation with you and he said what you're doing trust me it wouldn't impact you but he said you will be better off the day you retire uh, so 
based on that feedback, I decided, you know what, it makes no sense to, uh, you know, put my money in a taxable account. I'll put it in a non-taxable account. So when I'm ready to uh, retire and with the IRA, I want to say you have access to that money at 59 or I want to say it's 57 or 59 compared to the 401k, which is 63 to 65. And I don't know if I have those uh, ages uh, uh, accurate because it's always changing. Uh, but I want to say the last time I checked, that's where it was. So right now, Untangling Audience, if you're investing in uh, your company offers a potential to reach out to a free consultant, please do so, especially with what the market is doing today. Uh, reach out to an expert. Am I properly positioned? Because you might be properly positioned, but you could be better positioned to take full advantage of this down market. So have this conversation. Uh, that's why they pay, um, you know, financial uh, professionals the money they pay them because they know what they're doing at the end of the day. You might be doing everything right, but you might be missing out on one key thing that you didn't know about. And again, for me was, you know, 3% to my 401k, 3% to my IRA, uh, change that to 6% to my IRA, call it a day. And uh, we could simply go from there. Uh, the other part of my plan when it comes to investing is, you know, when I started was simply, okay, let me pick stocks. Let me pick winners. I've gone away from that. I've gone away from uh, the stock aspect of it, which I still invest. So, you know, I'm not going away from that, but now I'm more focused on the this country right now is so unstable that I do not want any debt hanging over my head. So what I did was with my student loans, I did the math. How much do I owe? How much would it take for me to pay this off? Uh, did the math, said, okay, I could handle this. How much do I need to send every week? Because once you send it every week, you're paying towards the principal. Uh, so you're eating away the principal, which is like, you know, the key part of the game. Uh, and right now the interest is frozen. So I'm trying to get this off my uh, shoulders and then I will have one last debt left and uh, that is my home which is a good debt to have but guess what if you're in a 30-year mortgage and you have no debt and you could send another thousand dollars towards that mortgage that 30-year mortgage becomes a 15-year mortgage and I'm telling you with the instability of this country the fine the faster you could have less debt hanging over your head I highly recommend it so I've shifted from a investment strategy to a safe investment strategy which is you know mutual funds um dividend paying funds but my overall goal is to be debt free within the next three years and i did the math and it's going uh to happen uh so with that that concludes this episode of untangling it feels good to be back on uh the air uh the weather's been great here in bloomington illinois a uh, little bit hot high 80s, low 90s, but uh, things are uh, going and uh, look forward to next week's uh, episode. And if you have any questions, all my information uh, will be on the Apple, Spotify, however you're able to listen to uh, this episode. Have a good one. <music>